Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. Welcome back to the Breaking Through the Speaking Out Movement podcast connection. I'm Marissa F. Cohen, and I'm thrilled to be partnering with the amazing and talented Rob Crowther of the Bob Culture Podcast. How are you today, Rob? Hey, Marissa. It's good to be talking to you. We're doing some great work here. You know, like I always say, you've been a big help in my personal life, in my creative life, and I can't think of a better tag team partner right now to get the hot tag other than you. So thank you again uh, for having me on. Well, the feeling is mutual. I really enjoy our, our time together, working together. You're awesome. So today we're excited to introduce our co-host, Liz Savage. Liz Savage is an American professional wrestler, wrestling manager, and wrestling personality, and a hashtag speak out champion based out of New York. She got her start with Dangerous Women of Wrestling in 2003. After moving to LA in 2010, she took a hiatus from, wrestling, of the, from the wrestling world due to an assault by her friend and colleague. She has been a huge advocate for survivors and champions during the speaking out movement. And Rob and I are honored to bring her on today to chat about what she experienced and what needs to be changed. Welcome to the show, Liz. We're so excited Thanks, to Marissa. have you. Thank you guys. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks, Rob. Um, it, it, it's been a crazy couple of weeks with everything going on. And honestly, when I posted my story to Twitter, I didn't even expect it to be heard the way it did um, or to, for it to send kind of shockwaves to the wrestling community in the way it did. Um, unfortunately, you know, I don't feel that I don't feel people are still taking it seriously enough. And I feel like unless we stay on them, this shit's just going to keep perpetuating. So um, a little history, as you said, I started in wrestling in 2003 um, I had a background in theater. I have a background in, you know, journalism. I do podcasts and shit host shows and uh, even live. So I've had a variety of experience. And some has been with wrestling, music, uh, cannabis, a whole host of different things. And I knew Dave through wrestling. I had gotten involved in wrestling in 2003. In 2006, I got to be an extra on Monday Night Raw. And when I got to be an extra on Raw, that same night we ended up going and hanging out with some of the production staff uh, versus the wrestlers because they were on lockdown, to be honest. That, that night, it was 4th of July weekend um, in Philly. And that's when I met Dave. Dave added me on Twitter, and then he added me on MySpace. And we talk all the time because I was a female booker. Um, I booked for a couple different companies. I also was a, you know, a prominent manager in the Northeast at the time. And I was wrestling mostly because my mouth got me in trouble, you know, as, as what happens with film managers. So I didn't, I, I didn't really like think of Dave as anything other than a friend. I thought of him as a very good friend. We talked a lot. We talked about, you know, character development and, storylines and you know the things that you would talk about 
with wrestling. It was never anything flirty or anything weird or anything like that. Um, also, because I had a wrestling bully, I didn't really pay much mind to the dirt sheets at all at those times because there was usually some horrible stuff being posted by me by my wrestling bully. But, you know, even then, I hope that she gets the help that she needs because a lot of her issues seem to be based around the same kind of things that so many women spoke out about. So, but I digress. Um, Dave asked me first in, I think, 2008 or nine when he first moved to LA to come move to LA. And the reason being is he said that I had helped save his life after he got fired from WWE because like I hung out with him that weekend and we watched the pay-per-view and we talked because I was on my way home to New York, New Jersey. And he was like, oh, come hang out. And I was like, okay, I don't have anything to do. I don't have work tomorrow. And he sounded pretty sad. And I knew, I didn't know why he had gotten fired, but I knew he had wanted to leave the company for a while at that point. Um, and he was unhappy with what he was doing because he was working on the fake ECW. So I hung out. Nothing weird happened. Everything was cool. You know, we stayed in touch. Um, you know, we hung out a few more times between then and when he moved to California. And then when he was, as soon as he moved to California, he was like, oh, you should move out here. And I'm like, I'm not moving to L.A. Um, two years later, though, I was working in the Poconos. Winter was coming. And I was like, he's asking me if I want to move to L.A. And I'm like, hmm, go check out L.A. or deal with snow in Pennsylvania Poconos. Uh, check out L.A. for the winter, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, could, what could possibly go wrong, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, um, Dave was working for NWA Hollywood at the time. So when people say they don't want this to affect NWA, and he doesn't want this to affect NWA, well, technically already has because um, he was working for NWA when this happened. He was also working for Ring of Honor and working with Impact, well, what was TNA, which is now Impact, right. but which is essentially a different company at this point. But um, he was working with those three companies when this happened, and I considered him a good friend. And when he moved out to California, I didn't expect the major role or anything, but he said, hey, you know, I could use you as a manager on the show. You know, and we don't have a lot of female wrestlers out here in the local area, so it would be cool. You could, like, get thrown around by some of, you know, like Shelly and some of the other girls who have bigger names. And I'm like, I'm down with that. Um, he's like, I'm starting a promotion agency. I need help. You know, you know how to do all this social media stuff. It would be really useful to me. And I was like, cool. You know, he's like, we got to find another part-time job. And I'm like, okay. You know, and he's like, you'll have to find a place where you can stay with me for a while. And I was like, okay. So when I got out there, he just totally turned cold, like as if I wasn't his friend. He never told the dream I was coming, which he had told me uh, that that person knew. Um, and they were like really shocked that not only did I come there, but that I was staying for a while. So that made me feel really uncomfortable. And then like he was gone all the time. So even when he was there, like I gave him space so he could write and do what he wanted. I went and looked for jobs. You know, did my thing out there, but nothing ever materialized through him. Um, I went to NWA with him once, and he introduced me to Adam Pierce, who told me if I wanted to get booked there, um, I'd have to suck his dick. And I laughed oh at him, gosh. and I said, "Well, I guess I'm not. I guess I'm not getting booked here." And you know, it, what's funny is later that night when I told Dave about the situation because I was going to bug him during the taping, um, I he just didn't really have like a any response. And he's like, well, what did you say? And I said, well, I guess I'm not getting booked here. I'm like, I can't believe that 
You know, they gave, I can't believe that Dave Marquez would even have someone working like that for him. And yeah. I don't know, I never said anything to Dave Marquez about it. I feel the need to because I, as soon as it happened, I was like, I'm not working for this company, you know. Um, but it was just like a kind of like a wake up call to like, you know, it should have been like the foreshadowing of what happened because mm-hmm. um, like I slept in his room because it was a small apartment. And the living room was very small. It was roommate's furniture. Um, and I consider him a friend. I'm a pro wrestler. I slept on road trips with many times having to share hotel rooms with guys, having to share beds with guys, never been touched. I had to share a bed with my ex-boyfriend on a road trip once, and he was sad I didn't touch him. Um, so, like, to that kind of extent, you know. So it's like um, – it was very strange when I woke up in the middle of the night with his hand on my pants and he was touching himself. And I was like, what the fuck? Cause we were both close and there had been no kind of conversation about anything like this. Um, and I rolled away from him. I was just like kind of horrified that he did it. Just hoping he wouldn't touch me again. And he didn't. Um, but then like two or three days later, he sent me this email while I was at work. Um, I was in my work meeting for the night and essentially telling me I had a week to get out of the house. Um, so I was a little more than a week, maybe 10 days in total. I have to look at the exact date of it. It might be like nine, 10 days, but I was out after that weekend. Um, it was really stressful. I ended up staying with complete strangers after that. Um, I was pretty shell shocked um, because I didn't have a base in LA and I had spent the majority of my savings just traveling around looking for jobs because it it was so hard to get around and not knowing my way around and not having anyone to show me wasn't really helpful for me. Um, So I spent a lot of time learning and making mistakes and buying tickets the wrong way before I learned. But like what I really learned was you can't, you can't always trust your friends. And this, this was like, I don't know. At the time, it was like, what was I going to say? It was a, if I came out, then nobody was going to listen to me. This is 2010. You know, um, I had some wrestling contacts locally, but it was nothing that I was really holding my interest in. And there's a lot of backstabby kind of situations out there because I wasn't in the clicks there. And I just kind of dropped wrestling. And I said, you know, this is just, I guess it's just not something that I should do right now. And I actually had intended on moving home, but then got involved in social justice work out there. I spent eight years doing that. Um, and I started getting into wrestling because of Lucha Underground. Um, and when I moved home to the East Coast two years ago, um, I got involved again and have been, you know, training on and off now because of the pandemic. I'm not training at all. Um, but I started doing shows, start booking again. I started traveling again, um, helping people like with a variety of different things, whether it be helping them set up a ring or, you know, running the back end of the show, doing production, whatever. Um, so I thought, and I've always followed people on Twitter. So when I got off work, my shoot job, and I saw this on Twitter, I was like, I have to say something because it was irking me that I had tried to say something to someone else from NWA who I consider a friend a couple months ago or um, like maybe two, a month and a half before, before I came out about it. And they kind of just blew it off and didn't listen to me. But now they heard me loud and clear. Um, I didn't expect NWA to, to tell him to resign or for him to resign. That's on him. But then his statement 
like in return in response to me is just disgusting because he admits he did something to me. He's like, Oh, it's not the way she said, fuck you. You didn't have consent to touch me. It's the way I said, end of story. That's my response to him. And to all the fanboys talking shit about me, it's like, I don't even know what the fuck to say. This is why you don't have girlfriends. Like, this is why, you know, you don't respect women. You don't respect the time or the things we put in. And if you think that women shouldn't be able to trust their male friends, like, we have a sad society. Wow. Rob, did you have something to say? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I don't mean to interrupt. I mean, it's a crazy story. You know, obviously, it breaks my heart, you know, just being involved in the business, I would say, from a journalistic perspective, uh, very heavily involved in the uh, indie scene out here in the, you know, Jersey, uh, New York area. And everyone has just been so good to me. You know, I obviously haven't had any, any issues. I am promoting their business and, and writing reviews and interviewing their talent. So when I see this hashtag speaking out movement, um, you know, I look at it and to me, I wouldn't say I'm surprised, but it, it definitely broke my heart. I didn't expect to see it. Um, there's a lot of just like great kids in this business that are up and comers that I, I worry for. When you saw this, Liz, this hashtag come out, what was your gut reaction? Were you like, yep, I'm not surprised. Or like, what was your thought process? Well, the first ones I saw were the stuff from the girls in the UK. And I had heard stuff about progress for years. And, and I was like, wow. And then I just started going through. And then I started seeing stories about people here in the United States. And I started seeing stories about people I knew, you know, people I worked with, people who, <sighs> okay. Best example, Joey Ryan, right? I know him from my time in California. Okay. Always super polite to me. Always treated me. One of the few people who treated me like I could hang with the crowd. I was cool enough for them. You know, very nice. Never weird. Um, none of the girls ever said anything weird other than, you know, like talking about how he acts like a kid, right? Because he's into like Disney and baseball and like whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um so none of the, like, you know, none of the girls ever said, like, hey, he's a predator, watch out for him. Um, maybe they said that because I was closer to 30 at the time, same age Joey is. Um, but the last, the first time I saw him when I came back to wrestling, my hair was no longer blonde. And I was at a Maverick Crow show in California, and I approached him, and I said, hey, you know, how are you? Do you remember me? And he looked at me with like a look of this expression, like, what did I, uh oh, what did I do to this girl? Wow. And it was just very strange. And I, I commented that to my co-host this, that I do my show with on Fridays. And he, um, he wasn't my co-host at the time. He was just my friend. And he's like, that was weird. And then Joey came up to me after the show and hugged me and was like, I recognize you, Liz. I'm sorry, your dark hair threw me. You know, we, ta we talked a little bit, but then coming, hearing all of these stories from all of these girls and then, you know, girls in the UK, girls in the US, girls in Canada, girls all over the place. I'm like, oh, this was a fucking mess. He was messy, 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 and this should never have gone on this long, you know? And that's the thing is these predators build a layer of trust with their community. Matt Riddle, same thing. Like, he's like the good bro. Like, I always liked him. Super polite, nice guy. To see what he's saying about Candy is bullshit because she has no reason to stalk him. Like, she, she has her career in her own right, and I feel terrible that she's being treated the way she's being treated by these fanboys. 
do you uh do you have a, just curious do you have a relationship with candy not at all i've okay. met her once and i was super drunk when i met her and i think i offended her <laughs> It's <laughs> that's what happens when you go to a WWN after party in New Orleans after WrestleMania when you've been drinking all day long and you get to the bar and the owner of the bar just starts feeding you tequila. You know, I mean that's the kind of that's the kind of situation New Orleans comes in. I was with one of my ride or die gals. We were running around causing mayhem because that's what we decided we were going to do in New Orleans the year before when we were in Orlando, and uh, we were having fun. You know. Harmless fun, being ridiculous. Or it was our one girl's night out. We finally got to like really ditch the guys and go do what we wanted to do. Uh, and we just went to the party and had fun. We were talking to people. And we ended up in a car with Candy at the end of the night. And she just thought, we were, I don't know, she didn't know who we were. We didn't, I didn't know who, I knew recognized her, but I didn't know who she was. Because she started around the time I left. She was like a student when I was like moving to California. Okay. Because, so, you know. I'm older than most of these girls. I just turned 41. So I started when I was 23 going on 24, you know, and then spent, spent a while and and then this while out and, you know, came back to COVID. But um, it makes me feel good to see how many people are standing behind us and how many promotions are standing behind us. But it's simply not enough. Um, You know, I, I feel like, all of these companies need to do sexual harassment training. They need to adhere to sexual harassment state and, uh, and federal and, uh, federal, uh, sexual harassment and state, uh, sexual harassment and anti-discrimination policies. Because if you're going to run a company and call yourself legit, you need to legitimately, like, live up to those things that they ask you to and not be a piece of shit. You know, girls need to have our own locker rooms. No more. Yeah changing in the corner, no more changing in the bathroom. If a female tells you they feel disrespected, like you need to fucking handle it. You need to tell your male staff that they're not going to fucking disrespect people. Like, you know, I was on a show and I'm not going to name, you know, I'm not going to name, actually, fuck it, I am going to name the wrestler. I was in a show in New Jersey and this is a company where I used to be the, uh, I'm always treated really well. I used to be the co-commissioner at this company when I first started out in wrestling. And I love this company. It's an old school wrestling company. They run small shows in New Jersey. This guy named Guido, I don't know what his whole gimmick is. He says to me, he's sitting in this chair in the the back and I'm like walking around talking to some of the greenhorns and some of the new people, you know, and I was talking to that Frank's son and I was like, oh my God, it's tripping me out. I haven't seen you since you were a kid. Like you used to come to my shows, you know, and now you're wrestling. And this guy said, he looks at me and he's not any older than like maybe 22, 23. And he's like, oh, here, honey, come sit in my lap. And I was like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? And that threw him for a loop. I was like, you better shut the fuck up and not talk to me that way. Not talk to any girl that way. Because the next time I hear you do, you're going to get my boot in your jaw. Do you understand? And everyone was like, whoa. And I'm like, no, I'm fucking serious. I was like, you don't fucking talk like that to people. It's not okay. But that's the thing. It's like not enough people are willing to stand up for themselves and tell people it's not okay. Or the guys just let other guys do it to the girls and to each other. You know, and that whole culture is like really toxic. Sure, you can pull pranks on each other. They don't have to be nasty and disgusting. You don't have to do sexual things to each other. You don't have to abuse each other. You know, it's like, but 
the amount of sexual assaults and sexual favors that have been demanded of the women in wrestling far, far, far outweigh anything that has happened to the guys. Not to say that the things that have happened to some of the guys haven't been terrible in themselves. It just happens way more frequently. It, it happens. I think almost all of us have a story to tell, even if people still won't tell their story because they're afraid to. Wow. You, you, you touched on it perfectly. Um, you know, you say like, obviously, I, and I think we're seeing that just statistically, like, you know, it, it is the women. Like, I don't know why people think that they're in a position of power or I, you know, I always say, I think ego is a huge part of the problem for these people who, Oh, like I was on this one show once in this capacity, you know, now you have to, and now I'm the King or whatever. Um, but you know, you do see stories like obviously Keith Lee saying he was drugged and, and woke yeah. up in a hotel room, doesn't know, what happened i mean that's that's also crazy to me but how much do you, i mean this is just like my kind of thought but wh- what do you think these people's mindset are at like how much of, of ego goes into this and um you know how much is, is using their power going into all this uh terrible behavior i it's a cross between all it's like ego power and society saying that it's okay for them to do it you know, because society has allowed this that dynamic over and over and over and over again. You know, think about like Anna, Anna Nicole Smith. Like she was what, like 24, 25 when she started dating that billionaire dude. She was married to him by the time she was like 27. And she, I think she was dead by the time she was 30, you know. And it's like everybody celebrated this. The, the, I can't even remember the dude's name. Everybody like celebrated him was like all of these he's awesome for like marrying this hot chick. She's a playboy model. And then everyone with Anna Nicole is like, Oh, she's a piece of shit. She just married him for money, you know? And it's like that dynamic has always been like, I still see guys who are like my age chasing girls that are young enough to be our kids. And it's, it's growth. And it's, a, that's a power dynamic, you know? And then it's a power dynamic when somebody is your trainer or your boss or has a position of higher authority, like championships or has been around, you know, or, or perceived, um, even perceived authority that doesn't even really exist, you know, because that's a big thing in wrestling is people who give you the idea that they're an authority, but nobody knows really who the fuck they are. You know, when I went through some of these stories, I had to Google the people and see who they were. And then I saw that these are people who they themselves as quote unquote trainers never even left their home fucking territory. Um, I, I did want to say this real quick. I, you know, we, we did talk and talk about having like that ego or that power trip or whatever it is to treat people this way. Like we've, we, we, you know, we haven't really been like naming names, but you know, I, I think it gets to a point. I mean, hashtag speaking out, that's what we're doing here. Um, you, you mentioned Matt Riddle earlier. Um, you know, Marissa, you, you obviously, you know, did your homework on that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more the wrestling end of the things. Marissa's more of the, uh, psychology and all that kind of stuff going into it. This is why the ultimate tag team right here, but, um, oh, wrestling and psychology. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yep. There it is. Right. Um, but we, we use a name like Matt Riddle now, like professionally, like I, I used to, I'm not going to do a shameless promo here because it's not the place for it, but, uh, I, I would review his matches, uh, when he was coming up in NXT, I, I wasn't very high on sure. him and, and recently his performance and, and matches and, uh, gimmick or persona has grown and grown on me and very, very good job. Very over as, as we say in the business with the fans and stuff like that. But then this whole, this whole thing comes out. And, um, you know, you see the he said, she said, and all that. And 
Uh, Marissa, I'll, I'll tag you in for this in a minute, but you know, we always say like, I think the percentage was what less than 4% of these accusations are statistically false, but we see him release a video a couple days ago. And I want to ask you about this, Liz, if you did see the video um, where he admits to cheating on his wife, but denies the claims for candy. And I don't yeah. mean to laugh, but you know, to me for personal reasons that the fact that he admitted to cheating on his wife is one thing, uh, you know, yes, I know you're on the road and all that stuff, but you know, that's not okay. And what I think my, she's at home yeah. with your kids. Yeah. With his kid. Right. And uh, like, I think one of my friends on Twitter had tweeted out, um, he admits to having low moral fiber, but not having low moral fiber. It was something like that, <laughs> but it was, it was like, it was uh, Matt Riddle denies having a low moral fiber by admitting he has a low moral fiber. Yeah. <laughs> weird flex or something like that. Yeah, it was like but that. That's yeah. the same thing Legata did. That's the same thing Joey Ryan did. They all have these weird, like not really taking any kind of like saying, I didn't really do it, but I'm still a creeper. I need help. But not all of them said they need help. They all fucking need help. They all need to be removed from any kind of position of power. They all need to be out of the wrestling business and away from women. And this needs to follow them throughout their careers. And so they really do show that they have done some sort of restorative justice to better themselves and to stop blaming the victims. The problem is that they know that their fanboys, as you called them earlier, are never going to hold them accountable and they're always going to have their backs yeah. because they're their yeah. fanboys, right? So they have no, they have no qualms. There's no responsibility or accountability there. And it's a, he said, he said, she said situation always. So they have no fear of getting in trouble. And that's like you said, I think that's what needs to change. There needs to be an element of accountability and there needs to be that element of repercussions for their actions or else it's just going to yeah. be like a continuation and people are going to continue to be unsafe in wrestling. Well, like one of the people who came out about their ex-boyfriend, you know, um, I spoke to a booker who was booking her ex-boyfriend who I consider a friend. And his response to me was, well, what am I supposed to do? Not book him. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Not book him. Be like, sorry, dude. Like what you did to your girl is fucked up. Yeah. Right. I mean, look what's happening in the in Hollywood, right? I mean, all of the underground stuff aside, the face value things like when Matt Lauer was accused and Kevin Spacey was accused, like all of these people, the accusations came out and they were canceled immediately. Matt mm -hmm. Lauer fired on the spot. Kevin Spacey written out of House of Cards on the spot. Like that's what mm -hmm. needs to be done. Well, that's the problem is these people aren't even these big, most of these people are barely working for any big budget anyone, you know? I mean, yeah, some people make more money than others. Matt should have definitely been fired. WWE has made some really poor choices in the people that they choose to keep and the people who they choose to fire. I'll, I'll tell you that. Can I, can I ask you a question, Liz? Uh, just curious, your, your read on this. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a very, like, you're on one side of the line or you're on the other. Like, I'm never a stand on the line kind of person. Like, that's how I am. Like, you either do or mm -hmm. do not, as, as Yoda says. Very wise Yoda. But basically, you have companies like AEW uh, who would uh, address the situation in a certain way, whereas 
uh, again, like other big companies, like as you had just mentioned, didn't really do anything. Um, and let, let's be real in, in terms of their employees' health right now. That's a whole nother situation. So we oh, see God. different. Yeah, well, let's not even go down that road. But um, <laughs> we see companies handling things very, very differently. Let's take um, because we are naming names today. Um, take a situation like Sammy uh, Guevara, uh, if you're familiar with what happened with him and, and made about Sasha Banks. How do you feel, you know, young guy, and I'm not excusing anything, young guy made these comments earlier. Um, I guess he did I, publicly apologize, privately apologize. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, from what I know of him, I think he did it trying to be hip and cool and like yeah. be one of the boys and say something racy and you know, didn't realize how fucked up it was in the moment, but it's no excuse for what he said. I mean, he's a kid, essentially. Um, I think he's a phenomenal wrestler. I hope he really, I hope this really made a a, a mark on him. And, um, you know, it's like Sasha Banks, I don't know her personally. She started right around the time that I was moving out of the Northeast. She had just started wrestling regularly. Um, I do know her husband, though. Um, oh, yeah. There's, there's actually videos of me managing against him back in the day. <laughs> he does the, um, I know he's a big gamer he's and he does the attire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, does, he makes amazing costumes. He's also a very talented wrestler. It kind of makes me sad he's not wrestling for them. <laughs> oh, really? Didn't know that. Okay. Very talented. Very talented. Wow. That's crazy. But um, I thought the way she handled it was very classy. Um, I think that, you know, the way that he did what was right he apologized. You know, they say they're sending him for sensitivity training. I think everybody needs to be sent for some sensitivity training. I think everybody needs to be sent for some sexual harassment training. You know, it's like, I don't even think that most people know what sexual harassment is. That's fair. Isn't that sad? In a, in an, in a situation where your bodies are your weapons and your bodies are your biggest assets, right? You don't, people don't even know how to respect each other's bodies and each other's spaces. Like I find that That's, so disgusting. Yeah. It is. We have to trust our lives in other people's hands and we can't even trust them. Yeah. That's crazy. You, you say Liz that you feel that it's not going to change. Um, and I'm not, I'm not arguing that point at all. Uh, I, I have seen some local promotions that, that are able to run right now, like doing like drive-in shows and, and whatnot right now, social distancing and all that, um, that, that have sure. hired consultants and have um, brought in speakers before the shows to, to speak with the talent. Your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's a step in the right direction, but they all need to come up with serious business policies on how they're going to move forward going forward recruitment of talent, like talent dating talent, bosses dating talent, like there needs to be guidelines and there needs to be stuff that's talked about, like for real. Cause it's like, otherwise you're just gonna have the same cycle perpetuated again and again and again, indefinitely. And that's what, you know, they can say and do for a short period of time, but if that doesn't keep up, what, where did we go with it, you know? True. And as long as these guys are still getting booked, that's the problem. I completely agree with that. We talked about, um, you mentioned separate locker rooms earlier, which I think is, is a huge part of the solution. Not that it's going to solve everything, but it's a huge step in the right direction. Um, a lot of these stories you see involve the airport 
uh, pickups. You know, I, I've been to a lot of conventions where a lot of my indie friends mm-hmm. like would have to go pick up a, a major talent. Um, and yeah, you hear, I you hear a lot of, like, oh, really? So um, mm-hmm. your, your kind of thoughts on, on that experience as it was and how it maybe should change moving forward. Um, well, I guess it depends on who you're sending the person to pick up and how comfortable if they already have a relationship with that person. Um, but even then, like you never, you never know. I mean, I picked up people because I didn't want greenhorns doing it and I wanted to make sure they got, they got where they needed to go on time. So when I had my own car, I picked up people from the airport on a fairly regular basis, never had any problem, picked up people from the train station. Um, but I also road tripped with a lot of people for years. So it was like, when you're in wrestling, besides just picking people up, like you're literally in a car with people sometimes for five hours one way to hang out for two or three hours to work for 10 minutes and drive back five hours in a car with people. And it's not like you're in a car when you're doing road trips like that. You're not in a car with one person. Usually you're in a car with like three or four or five. So like these stories and these things when people talk about things that happen in buses like what Candy Candy talked about or what Lizzie Valentine talked about was like almost being left um, in Mexico. She was afraid to speak out and she was almost left on the side of the road because like she because she was arguing with a male wrestler who was being aggressive with her, you know, and it's like and oh that wrestler was Adam Pierce, you know, where he was, you know, screaming at her in the car and they wanted to leave her in the desert. You know, and that's the kind of shit we face. That's the kind of shit, it's like you speak out, it's like, what's going to happen? You're going to get thrown out in the middle of nowhere on the highway. You're going to be left in a foreign country. You're going to, there's so many different fucking things that could happen when you're on these trips. You know, and you have to be able to trust the people you're with. So it's like, it's, it's, it's where the whole culture needs to change. It's like, women shouldn't go pick up people they don't know or don't feel comfortable with. The promoters need to not run shows if they can't afford them. Um, the hmm. promoters not need to not book women if they can't afford to get them separate hotel rooms at this point. And not saying don't book women. I'm saying come up with sponsorship money, guys. Like, if you want me to consult and make you a sponsor deck, I'll do one for you, but it ain't going to be free. You know, and that's the funny thing is like when people tell me, oh, I'm not going to book you. It's like, well, you, you're, you're in Idaho and you were never going to book me anyway because my fee just to show up is $100 and you'd have to fly me out and put me in a hotel and feed me and drive me around and pay me. And I don't think that's happening. <laughs> like I'm realistic about this stuff. Like um, these, a lot of these indie promoters think all talent should work for $25 still, you know, and these, some of these people who are getting assaulted are getting assaulted at shows and companies that they're, they're paying to be there. They're not getting paid. They're paying to be assaulted. They're paying to be used. They're paying to, you know, become someone's muse for the time being. And it's gross. Yeah, that's terrible. Hot, hot dog and a handshake, as, a, as a, they say. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, that's how, that's how Johnny Rods used to pay me. It's okay, though. I like yeah. Johnny Rods. <laughs> hey, I've, I've, I've been, been playing in bands in Asbury Park my whole life. I know, I know that story. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I digress. <laughs> Um, I, I, I did want to ask you this, Liz. Um, you, I, on my platform, I have so many indie wrestlers come on. And I like to help them. I like to help them make names for themselves, uh, put them over, if, sure. if you will. Uh, and it's great. And I have sure. great relationships with them. They help me with my podcast. Um, they wear my T-shirt. It's, it's awesome. I've had such a positive, you know, 
reception, a positive experience with all these indie companies. I have been able to, you know, go in the door before the, again, from a journalistic perspective, uh, not being in the business, but be in the doors before the doors open. And I, I learned mm-hmm. the respect, you know, the shake everyone's hand. And to me, that's what went on behind the scenes. It was respectful. Everyone was a brother. Everyone was a sister. And uh, I thought it was really cool. I saw people running the ropes and I'm like, this is really cool. So I see this stuff now and, and it breaks my heart. It makes me think like, oh, is this like not what it is? Um, what's, what's your gauge? Is it, I, I mean, I guess what's the scale here? Is it, there's just like a lot of scumbags or there's a lot of really good people? Like where's your head at? I don't know anymore. I mean, it's a cross between both. If you look at my, if you look at my Liz Savage page, I have nearly 5,000 friends and I know more than half of those people in person. Like, I know a lot, a lot, a lot of people. It's like I go to WrestleCon, like, especially the one that was up here. Going to events like WrestleCon, going was like seeing my family, you know, going to shows here, even in California before I left. You know, I met new people. I made new friends. Um, but I have a lot of old friends and I've been getting in contact with people. There's a lot of people I really love, I really trust, and I don't want to have to feel that way about my friends. I don't want to have to feel like I can't trust to have one of my friends in a, staying in a place where I am, especially when I'm going back out on the road again and traveling with people, you know, bringing greenhorns on the road with me. Um, like you say, like you like help bring young people up. So do I, you know, I, that's one of the been the things as a manager. I've always dragged along talent with me when I'd get bookings. Um, I'd build talent up at shows. I'd seek out those champions that might not be on someone's, you know, radar as a potential champion. And, and I represented a lot of the underdogs, you know, and it's like, I have a lot of really awesome friends in wrestling. I know so many cool people. A lot of my friends are on TV right now. Um, it makes me really happy for them, but it's like at the same time, it's like we all need to work together to stop the bad people from ruining what we have and perpetuating the stuff that made it bad to begin with. Because I think that we could take it back and make it into something that could be better and could be more fun and could be, you know, the fans could stay behind because it's like, a lot of people are super disgusted with wrestling right now, and it's not the same watching it with no fans. And this is the kind of thing that will just make people walk away. Very well said. And um, the last question for me over here, Liz, I, I do appreciate your, your time and you, more importantly, being able to open up. Uh, I know it's, it's very hard and, and crazy, but, you know, 2020, ladies and gentlemen, like I keep saying, um, I want to ask you this, uh, as, I, as I said very big on a lot of the younger talent that are coming up and are seemingly doing well. A lot of them do seem to have good heads on their shoulders. Um, what can people do to just make this better for this next generation? Um, listen, listen, watch. If you know someone's a bad person, call them out. You know, it's time to put an end to people's reign of terror. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there who've gone through girl after girl after girl. There's guys who've gone through guy after guy. But it's it's gotten to the point where people need to really speak up against this, especially people in power. The people who've done things wrong need to admit to what they've done, and they need to not only reflect on themselves, but they really need to seek some sort of guidance through, I don't know, if counseling or spiritual or whatever it might be. Because you know what? I'll be real with you. I've been part of 
and our history is to call for restorative justice from within when there's been sexual offense, offenses against members of the group, for men, members of the group, and there was no fucking accountability. I mean, honestly, like, the only accountability that even close thing that to, to accountability or retribution that happened was a little bit of street justice when one of the, one of the smaller women went after the sex offender in a crowd of people and basically socked him in the face about 16 times until he ran into a group of cops. But, um, you know, it's like dudes need to hold their friends accountable because if you think that us as women, if we're, if you respect us and you say you care about us, hold the other guys accountable. Don't let them tell stories like this. If you hear them talk, be like, shame them for it. Be like, what the fuck dude? Like don't let people be pieces of trash or treat other people like trash. It's as simple as that, you know? Agreed. I feel like once once everyone starts speaking out and calling people out, it'll change the game for the people who are being affected. You know, like the, yeah. the people who, right, exactly. The people who have been impacted or have been assaulted are probably afraid for their careers and afraid for their safety and retaliation because look what happened to you and Candy. I mean, you spoke out and then you have all of these people all over the internet just harassing and bashing and demeaning i mean it's unsafe and it's scary for people but i think you're right I mean, go ahead sorry it's so bad they're, they have to take down reddit threads because they've gotten violent about us really yeah i haven't seen the threads but somebody was like reading them to me and then when i got a chance to get off work and look for the Reddit threads myself. I couldn't find them. And the one that I did find, it said content has been deleted. You know, it was like the ghost of it. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, okay, you know, but he was reading off the comments to me and I was like, this is fucked up. Like people, people were saying that I, I deserve to be raped. People were saying that um, I deserve to get beaten up, that I should be, that I, I'm gonna pay for what I did. Um, good thing I know how to defend myself. I don't know what else to say, but we don't deserve this. Like, none of us deserve this. And if you're idolizing these guys, like, you really got to look into yourself and be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very, very big pill to swallow. <laughs> it's rough. It's really rough. The whole, the whole industry has turned been turned inside out. But you know what? I have to give it to the youth for doing it because it, it, it's the time for it to happen and it's gone on far too long because when I started there is no way this shit would have flown you know you look at people like Angel Amoroso she's the best best person to like talk about she was one of the ECW girls um, who never really was like used very much because she was underage but she has some crazy ass stories which everyone you know says aren't true and don't want to believe because they they're their beloved ECW heroes but honestly I believe her you know I believe that at least like a good percentage of what she's talking about happened and knowing what happened to some other girls in the industry before me which I'm not at liberty to discuss those stories, but those stories are out there and hearing some of the stuff scared me like literally to the point of like, I heard about a story that happened at a wrestling school and I was like, should I even come here and sat down with the owner and was like, you know, I heard this happen and this is fucked up. And they're like, I assure you nothing like that will happen again. 
you know, and nothing has happened like that since. And, you know, it was at a private event and, you know, they got this girl bombed. And that's not right either. If you get a girl so trash, you can't consent. You still don't have consent. Right. If you're unconscious or a lack of, a lack of anything is not consent. If you're asleep, you can't consent. If you're drunk, you can't consent. I mean, these are, you'd think that they're basic common sense, but it's used so often as like a tool. You know, if we get this person bombed, they can't say no. So technically it's a yes. I mean, that's not true. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yep. And just because somebody has consented in the past doesn't mean you always have their consent. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if you're in a relationship with them, you know, and that that's intimate partner violence has been a huge part of this whole movement is because you read a good third of the stories are people who were involved with, you know, other wrestlers or their trainers or, you know, someone who was in or around the industry and that's fucked up. You know, and these are like not like relationships that were like two months long. And some of these relationships, these people have kids. It's crazy. I wa- I wanted to end it on, on like some, some sort of a hopeful or, or positive kind of note, well, but it's just it's so, note, yeah. Go ahead, please. The hopeful note for this is that you know these companies are finally starting to listen to the women. They're finally starting to take some of the stuff seriously, and maybe they'll start treating the wrestling business like it's an actual business. Boom, mic drop. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um. <laughs> Hey, Liz, thank you so much um, for taking a few minutes. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, anytime for reaching out. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you still have your passion for the business and uh, continued success moving forward. Oh, I do. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All All right. Stay safe. We're out. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone, and hurt and live a free, confident, and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.